Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Walmart workers in California talking union. And guess what the Labor Board is now dealing with? A new complaint against Trader Joe's AI, the new byline at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And today on the show, the National Labor Office of Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Teamsters Local 100 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Monday, January 29th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Marilee Logue will be our first guest on the show today. She serves as executive director of one of our new sponsors, and that would be the National Labor Office of Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Now, this is a national federation of 34 independent, community-based, and locally operated Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies. And Mary Lee leads the National Labor Office, which, by the way, is the liaison for unions to ensure that Blue Cross and Blue Shield products meet the labor community's bargaining objectives. In addition, she oversees the board of directors, which represents 90% of the union members covered by Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And by the way, she has spent, I mean, she knows what she's talking about. She spent over three decades, three decades in healthcare, concentrating on innovation and strategy to improve the member experience. Now, we're going to start this off talking about the history of the Blues, which was founded, believe it or not, back in 1929, created to support teachers in Texas. The concept grew out of the lumber and mining camps of the Pacific Northwest, and the goal for both was to provide medical care at an affordable rate for employees, right? Well, the National Labor Office was established in 1965 to demonstrate commitment to labor, labor meaning unionized employees in Taft-Hartley funds, both private and public sector. We'll get into all of this with the Merrill Lee as our first guest on the show. Then we're going to go to Cincinnati, Ohio, and join Nick Prather. Nick is a business agent at Teamsters Local 100. The website is TeamstersLocal100.com. Nick has uh, 23 years as a Teamster. He had been a part-time warehouse worker, full-time package car driver, semi-truck driver at UPS, and uh, about four years ago in 2020. He was elected as a trustee in Local 100. And then in 2022, he was hired as a full-time organizer by the Teamsters, where he worked exclusively on the DHL campaign. And that's what we're going to zero in on this, because recently, DHL Express Ramp and Tug Agents, as they call them, this is at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport, very, very busy hub. They overwhelmingly ratified their first contract, first Teamster contract, in a huge victory for worker solidarity. Now, this did not come easy. It followed a 12-day strike 
marked by nationwide union backing and what Nick says was fierce determination. And that agreement was approved by more than 98% of voting members. We're talking 1,100 workers all getting significant wage increases, enhance workplace safety, and improve benefits. That is not an easy job. That package delivery, I mean, that wears you out. My God. So uh, Nick Prather will be joining us on behalf of Teamsters Local 100 as our second guest on the show. By the way, while we're talking about the Teamsters, we got to do a shout-out here to uh, EMS workers in New Hampshire that have voted unanimously to join local 633 in Manchester. We're talking 30 workers serving as emergency medical technicians and paramedics. Got a comment here from Jeff Patalero, secretary-treasurer of 633. Jeff said EMS workers are essential in keeping communities across the county safe and secure, and we could not be prouder to now represent them. Chesser County is the first county-run EMS facility in New England, and now they are the first unionized county-run facility in New England. And we look forward to working alongside our new brothers and sisters and securing an industry-leading contract for them so congratulations to the uh, ems workers in new hampshire and a shout out to teamsters local 633 what's happening in our world of labor let's find out the segment on america's workforce brought to you by boyd watterson asset management you can find more at boydwatterson.com the national labor relations board has filed an unfair labor practice complaint against walmart for unlawfully interrogating employees about their unionization efforts at a California store. The complaint issued by a NLRB regional director alleges that Walmart managers in Eureka, California, violated federal labor law by intimidating workers involved in union activities. Now, according to the complaint, the management at Walmart maintained an illegal handbook policy. And listen to this. They tore up a pro-union flyer, several of them, in the break room right in front of employees. The complaint is one of 21 other unfair labor practice charges pending against Walmart. Well, (laughs) no surprise here. Walmart has a history of being very, very, very anti-union. Now let's talk about Trader Joe's federal labor officials allege in a new complaint that Trader Joe shut down its wine shop. This would be in New York City two years ago in order to blunt a union organizing effort. The general counsel of the labor board argues that the grocer's decision to close the store amounts to unlawful retaliation and that Trader Joe's should have to reopen the store and make the effective employees whole for any wages that they lost. The complaint also accuses Trader Joe's of illegally interrogating pro-union workers and threatening to take away benefits if they unionized. The group that was organizing at the store, United Food and Commercial Workers Union, said in a statement that the complaint brings workers closer to getting the justice that they deserve. They went on to say Trader Joe's shamelessly and illegally engaged in union busting to scare 
Trader Joe's workers across the region and stop these workers from having a voice on the job. Now, Trader Joe's did not immediately respond to a comment for this story. However, the Food and Commercial Workers Union, the UFCW, filed unfair labor practice charges against the company after the wine store abruptly closed in the summer of 2022. The general counsel's decision to pursue a complaint against the company means the board officials investigated and they found merit in the union's claim. Now, if the general counsel cannot reach a settlement with Trader Joe's, the case will be tried before an administrative law judge. Now, let me point out, it is against the law for companies to close a store solely because workers there are trying to organize. But even when officials can prove such a closure was a reaction to the union organizing, it could take years to resolve. Now, Trader Joe's, they have denied that unionization efforts played a role in its decision to shutter the wine shop, but the workers interviewed saw no other explanation. In fact, we got some comments here. Robert Bradley, five-year Trader Joe's veteran, said they're hoping this dissuades other workers from doing the same thing that we have done. It's totally to stop the union effort before it began. Trader Joe's has faced worker organizing efforts from both the Food and Commercial Workers Union and Trader Joe's United, an independent union, which has organized four stores since July of 2022. Moving on, one more here, and this involves the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You should not be surprised at this, given their nasty reputation. We've talked about this on the show many, many times with the News Guild's president, John Schloys. The Block Brothers, owners of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, have apparently become the first corporate owners to use artificial intelligence to take away a worker's job. Now, it's happened only once, but once was enough for the Pittsburgh Post News Guild, which is on strike now for, my gosh, 16 months. So the guild filed a grievance under its contract against the blocks and the paper. The grievance involves use of artificial intelligence to create an illustration published in the Sunday, January 21st print edition of the newspaper. The Post-Gazette's attempt to replace our labor with artificial intelligence is a serious concern to journalists, not just in Pittsburgh, but all across the country. That comment from Zach Tanner, he's the president of the Pittsburgh News Guild, Zach went on to say, as newsroom jobs continue to disappear due to corporate greed and mismanagement, we stand firmly against any use of AI that takes work out of union members' hands. Now, the paper's advertising production and distribution workers were forced to start a labor law-breaking, formerly called unfair labor practice strike, against the Post-Gazette, like I mentioned 16 months ago. The blocks unilaterally ended the health insurance plan for those workers. This was in October of 2022 by refusing to pay the premiums, which, by the way, were just $19 per month per worker. Twelve days later, the News Guild workers had to start their own unfair labor practice strike after the newspaper years of bad faith bargaining 
and unilaterally gutting of their contract. The contract expired actually in 2017 and the staff worked under its terms as labor law mandated while the talks were supposed to occur. But then the blocks killed the insurance and that's what led to the strike. Since then, the blocks have hired at least 26 strike-breaking scabs since the newsroom strike commenced before using artificial intelligence to replace one of the paper's unionized illustrators. The Guild is calling this yet another slap in the face to workers' rights at the paper. The blocks also declared an impasse in bargaining, which is a tactic the NLRB's administrative law judge later decided they illegally invoked, and the judge ordered them back into negotiations. But get this, they said no. As the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette resists working with us to put an end to the strike, they continue to sink to new lows in an effort to crank out whatever product they can cobble together. That came from Jen Kundrich, a page designer and illustrator who is now on strike. Just an amazing story here. 16 months and now, and now they're using artificial intelligence to uh, replace the workers at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I promise you we will stay on top of this story. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the executive director of a new sponsor here on America's Workforce, the National Labor Office of Blue Cross and Blue Shield. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Alliance for American Manufacturing is a nonprofit, nonpartisan partnership formed back in 2007 by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers. Their mission is simple, strengthen American manufacturing and create new private sector jobs through smart public policies. Keyword there is smart. We need to be smarter than ever in today's highly competitive world. The Alliance for American Manufacturing believes that an innovative and growing manufacturing base is vital to America's economic and national security, as well as providing good jobs for future generations. Good jobs today, good jobs tomorrow. Good American jobs. Find out more at AmericanManufacturing.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council today 
Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next uh, segment, actually the next two segments, are brought to you by the National Labor Office of Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Now, Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies formed out of a need to provide affordable health care to teachers, to loggers, and miners. Back in 1965, 1965, long time ago, the Blues developed the National Labor Office to strengthen their commitment to organized labor. Today, Blue Cross and Blue Shield's National Labor Office remains focused on America's workers, advocating for affordable and equitable health care. Key word there, affordable. Partnering with strategic alliances to provide industry-leading products and services and proudly serving more than 18 million unionized workers, retirees, and their families working hard for America's working families for the health of America. You can learn more by following them at Blue Labor on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter. Let me repeat that. At Blue Labor on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter. Now, right now, I am joined by Marilee Logue. Now, Marilee is the executive director of the National Labor Office at Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. She comes to us with more than 30 years of experience in healthcare. That's a long time. Marilee, welcome to America's Workforce. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that great introduction. Well, hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Believe me, very long time. Okay, Marilee, to start us off, could you share a bit about your background and your current role at uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield in the National Labor Office? I just like saying that, National Labor Office. Tell me more about this. Thank you. So in my role, I lead the National Labor Office, or we call it the NLO. The NLO acts a liaison between all the unions and Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies. We want to make sure that we're really addressing the labor needs and make sure that everything we're developing and offering is aligned with that. Also part of my role is I oversee the National Labor Office Board of Directors. Uh, represents about 90% of the union members covered by Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies. I have to be honest with you, Flash, I am so lucky to work with such respected leaders in the industry. This board of directors is really a wonderful group of people. Very good. Good to hear that. Marilee, I also see from your background that you have a bachelor's degree in secondary education and a master's degree in education administration. I have to ask you, was working in education what led you? to the work that you're doing today with labor unions? I'm kind of interested in that. Can you, uh, can you share with us some details? Well, well, kind of. I mean, I, I come from a family of teachers, my mother, my grandparents, all teachers. 
So it's the only job I ever wanted to do. I love teaching. But long story short, I had an opportunity to work on Broadway in New York City. It literally fell in my lap, and I had to take the opportunity. So I began in the early 90s working in the Actors' Equity Building on Broadway shows, and I learned about the entertainment unions. I was very involved in the day-to-day operations of the business, which also included the health insurance, health care, and so eventually I knew that this was the path for me. So my next stop was working for an insurance carrier, and my first clients were school boards. Uh, later on, I started working with Taft-Hartley unions, and I found my home, so to speak. And what I learned was I could use my teaching skills to help people understand the complex world of insurance and healthcare. I see that uh, you're working in the Actors' Equity Building in New York City. Do you know Kate Schindel? We've had Kate Schindel on the show a couple of times. She's the president? <laughs> Only who she is, but no, I don't know her personally. <laughs> okay, okay, good. She's a fighter, great union leader, no doubt about that. Now, it, it's clear that you're passionate about the work that you're doing, Marilee. Can you talk to me about your current work with the National Labor Office and the role of Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies? Can you give us some details on that? Sure. Um, You had mentioned earlier in the introduction about where our history began, and it began with, you know, the American worker. Almost 100 years ago in 1929, Blue Cross was created to support teachers in Texas, find affordable, accessible health care. And then Blue Shield came about from the lumber and mining camps in the Pacific Northwest. And our mission then is the same today, and you had mentioned that, affordable health care accessible to everyone. Working with the unions is in our DNA. The labor world is always changing, so my office is laser-focused on the specific needs of the American worker and making sure that we are delivering on that. There you go. Well, thanks for sharing that background. I think it's helpful in understanding the work of the uh, National Labor Office today. Can you, uh, can you give me some more insight on that? Sure. Um, you mentioned also, too, we, the National Labor Office started in 1965 to help show the commitment to labor and the unique needs, and we have been growing and thriving ever since. You know, it's funny, you, you just uh, shared with us two dates there of about 100 years ago, almost 1929, when uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies actually came into fruition. And then 1965, that's the year Medicare started under yes. the Johnson administration. So two uh, very interesting dates. 29, though, we had the Great Depression, the stock market crash at that time. So uh, very significant dates in American history there. And, and dates that affected workers in uh, in different ways, when you think about that. Well, when you talk about the National Labor Office's commitment to labor, can you tell our listeners what that means day to day? I mean, National Labor Office. I mean, help me out on that one. Sure. And also, I want to say, I don't think it's a coincidence that you mentioned those dates and very significant dates for us and Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And, and that's what we try to do. We try to be, you know, have the answer and be on the ready when it's needed. Right. Um, for starters, we're located in Washington, D.C., which helps us actively engage in policy and labor activities. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we serve over 18 million unionized workers, retirees, and their families. That's more than any other insurer, and we don't take that lightly, that responsibility. 
Longfellow represents 44 states, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. And so that's about 90% of that total union population. And our goal is to really work, you know, collaborate with the internationals at that national level while our local plans work closely with the unions in their local communities. Boy, that is a lot. 18 million unionized workers, retirees, and their families in 44 states. Now, that large presence that you just referred to us on, can you help break that down and and your role? What does your work look like today, Marilee? So, Flash, simply, it's it's really three main components. We Relationship building in, you know, in this space, in labor, that's most important. Relationship building, education, and advocating. And that's how we see our role. We like to participate in a lot of union conferences, meetings, task force, so that we understand what the needs are. We can anticipate what the trends are. It is our job then reverse to make sure we take that understanding and communicate it back to Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies. For example, I sit on NAPTU Opioid Task Force where I get to meet with leaders in the building trades and not just leaders but all in the building trades but also leaders that own companies. We all sit on this task force together so that we can understand what's happening on the job sites and that we are involved in the solutions from the ground up. Marilee, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the North American Building Trades, NAB2, and we've had Sean McGarvey on the show a number of times. I just like that individual. He's got a lot of fire in his belly, and he's doing a really good job, especially with the diversity of the trades. I'm, uh, I, I can only assume you've been working with his team pretty uh, pretty intently here over the years. Is that right? Yes, that is, and I, I share the same sentiments as you with his leadership. Okay, good, good to hear, real good. Okay, the takeaway here, we're talking about relationship building, education, and advocating. So hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit bacweb.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings. Well, we have a new sponsor on the show, and that is the National Labor Office at Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. You can learn more by following them at Blue Labor on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter. And we're speaking with uh, Marilee Logue, who is the executive director of the National Labor Office. And we've been talking about relationship building, education, and teaching and uh, she's got a background in that. We've covered that in the uh, in the first segment here. Marilee, I want to pick up on uh, on what we talked about in the in the last segment here. And uh, my next question, you mentioned this idea of relationship building and Blue Cross and Blue Shield wants to make sure healthcare is working for America's workers. That's so darn important. Building relationships within the healthcare space is critical to making this happen. Talk to me about that. Give me give me a little more insight into that, if you will. Go ahead. Yeah, so Flash, you're right. Relationship building is core what to what we do. And um, an example of that, and to kind of put this into perspective, one way we do this is by partnering with external health service vendors. Uh, these are what we call strategic alliance. Vendors that are in the healthcare space that are best in class of what they do and can deliver a quality product in labor. And for example, we see that in the trades, there is a, a desire for an increase of women in trades. Well, this calls for benefits that are appealing to women. Fertility benefits is an example of that. Or we also see a high prevalence of cancer rates 
in our labor groups. And so we look to those vendors that help us with that education, prevention, and promoting that. Um, we ensure these partners really support those needs of labor. Currently, we have 14 strategic alliances. They specialize in benefits like fertility and cancer, but also musculoskeletal, vision, dental, hearing, and a whole host of others that are important in the labor world and the benefits that they want to deliver to their membership. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, now that's a lot of alliances, 14 of them, and strategic ones at that. Outside of these alliances, I have to ask you, Marilee, how do you how do you keep a pulse on the labor health needs of today? So we have five advisory boards that our National Labor Office Board of Directors sit on, and we these are created so that we're hearing the concerns and the needs of the labor market, not just at a national level, but at a local level as well. We're on the road, we're attending conferences, we're meeting with union leaders, we're talking to people that are making decisions on benefits, and we're very engaged in the conversation on social media, LinkedIn and Twitter. So you can follow all of us, as I mentioned before, at, or you mentioned, at Blue Labor on both. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we'll hit that again at the end of this uh, conversation. So is there anything else you would like uh, our listeners to know about the National Labor Office at uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield? I just want to reinforce that we're a separate entity from Blue Cross and Blue We're part of Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies. Mm-hmm. We sit as a separate entity, and we are created in the image of labor. Labor, you know, as you know, is set up as an international with local affiliates. We mirror this, and thus it gives my office the ability to really tap into the strength of the National Blue System, but support at the local level as well, where the actual benefits are being delivered. I see. That's interesting. Kind of gives you a little room for creativity there. I like that. Now, are there several different ways that Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies are supporting labor? And and, and I know we're going to talk about this more in detail throughout the year. This is the the first of many conversations to come. Marilee, can you give our listeners a preview on some of the topics that uh, they might be hearing about? Yes, and and we're looking forward to that continued conversation and taking a deeper dive into some specific health care issues. I'll start with the big one, which is affordability. And we're really focused on cost-effective affordability and making sure that union members have access to that. Uh, Another key focus is health equity. We're actively engaged in working to eliminate health disparities by partnering with community organizations. We are advocating for tailored healthcare solutions to address the needs of everyone, not just one specific demographic group. And this is especially true when it comes to mental health. There are so many Americans that are underserved and don't have access, and this is really critical in our country that we address mental health, which is the third topic I want to expand on, and it's top of everybody's mind. With nearly one out of five U.S. Americans dealing with mental health conditions, we really need to address this not only on affordability but access, and so we recognize this. Um, To give you an example, we are looking at a 
partnering up nationally. An example of this would be the Boys and Girls Club of America, which is a recent partnership for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on the mental health situation because I, and the pandemic clearly, clearly brought into national focus. So we're definitely going to pick up on that in, the, in future interviews. Now, to recap here. It sounds like the key issues listeners can be expecting more are affordability, health equity, and mental health. Really looking forward to hearing more about how uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies are working to address these uh, these areas. These are hot topics in healthcare. But for right now, that's pretty much uh, all the time we have. So I have to thank you for coming on the show. I love doing this show. I love talking to people that are making a difference. And clearly, Marilee, you're making a difference here. Any closing thoughts on where our listeners can find you. I think, I think that's the best way to wrap things up. So I just want to say one thing. I work with an amazing, hardworking, talented team. And Flash, we start our day by listening to your podcast, and that's where we get a lot of our information. So thank you, and thank you so much for having me on. You can find our full calendar of events at bcbs.com backslash National Labor Office. And you can follow us at Blue Labor on LinkedIn and on X. Well, Mary Lee, you made my day. I didn't know you listened to me every day. Oh, it's yeah. not too often. It's not too often that I get to talk to my listeners. But uh, this oh, yeah, is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The whole team, big fan. This is cool. This is cool. I love doing this show. This will be uh, 26 years for me doing America's Workforce. And, and I'll be honest with you. This last year, you're on the right show. You are on the right show. This last year, we exploded. We had a 25% increase in listenership from 2022, and we're now in the top 1% of all podcasts. So you definitely got the the audience that you're targeting here. And I want to wrap things up by, number one, thanking you. And those of you listening, you can learn more by following at Blue Labor on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter. Merrily Logue, you take care, and we'll be talking uh, in a month or so, okay? Look forward to it. Thanks so much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to Cincinnati, Ohio, and join Nick Prather, business agent at Teamster Local 100. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes LIUNA to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. 
Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. This next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to Cincinnati, Ohio right now. And joining us is a newcomer. We got so many new folks joining America's workforce. We appreciate that. We want to talk to all the union brothers and sisters in the United States of America. And there are, well, there's 12 million in the AFL-CIO alone. And Nick is one of them. Nick is a business agent at Teamsters Local 100. Nick, talk to me a little bit about yourself. I know uh, you got a contract here with DHL. I want to talk about how you were able to achieve that, but I understand it's a pretty large local. Let's start with the local 100. How many members? What kind of line of work are we talking about? Go ahead, brother. Um, we have 5,200 members in local 100. Our, our main um, group has always been the UPS group. Uh, we got about 2,000 UPSers that do every single thing you think of UPS, driving semi-trucks, loading packages. Um, you know, delivering packages to your house. That's the world I came out of. Um, we have bus drivers for the Cincinnati Public School District. We have warehouse workers. We have a lot of public sector people. Um, so, yeah, we, we have a pretty diverse um, group of, of people that we represent, including the trades and, and construction. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we do a little bit of it all here in Local 100. Good, good. I, I was reading you got uh, 23 years as a teamster, what made you now, did you have a uh, family involved in the teamsters? Is that kind of where you started or what? I, I kind of always looked like when the little, the Brown trucks came through the neighborhood and, uh, I had a, a friend who was there. His dad was a UPS guy and he was next door. And I said, Hey, how do I do what you do? And, um, not knowing much or anything about the union, quite honestly, I kind of was born into it without a lot of knowledge or history of it. And I really, uh, enjoyed my time, you know, learning about the union and then getting more involved in it. Gotcha. And I see in 2020, you were elected as a trustee in local 100. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a couple of years ago, 2022 hired as a full-time organizer. Now, let me, let's start right there because I know there's a lot of organizing going on. The climate for unions is very, very good. How are we doing in that area for a local 100? Uh, well, we're thriving. We just got probably the biggest single unit the Teamsters have gotten since the new um, administration and the Teamsters have come in. Um, the, the, despite, you know, this being a win for Local 100, it was a huge win for the IVT because they really dedicated the resources and the manpower 
uh, getting this done, and we definitely couldn't have done it without them. The largest air hub in the, the Americas for DHL um, is right here in Cincinnati. The, the CVG Airport used to be a, a Delta hub back in the day. Um, we had Delta and Comair, and as Delta and Comair have moved out, um, the airport board has really turned this this facility into more of a, a freight centric um, thing. We have a, a, we have Amazon. They have their world world headquarters for air delivery right here in Cincinnati, and DHL straight across the street. If you look at a map, they you could throw a football from one to the other. Um, so. They, the people we decided to start organizing were the people that are, we call them ramp and tug workers. You've got kind of two groups inside that unit. You've got sort workers where the, the packages come in from all over the globe. Um, 80% of the international freight that comes to the Americas goes through that hub. 90% of domestic freight goes through that hub. They, the planes come in, you know, up to 60 a day. They land. The people that unload them and take them into the sort, for them to be processed and then bring them out and put them back on the plane to the people we organized. And that was the uh, close to 1100 that we just organized, um, this year, mm-hmm. or I should say last year, it's 2024 now. Yeah. Right, so. <laughs> I know those years go flying. There's no question. Right. Right. Uh, what, what did you go through? Yeah, Cause you know, organizing drives are not easy and uh, I'd like you to share some of your experiences for those listening right now. So in case they're, they're, they're working on a campaign. Maybe you can give them a couple of uh, key things they should look out for. So can you reflect on that for us? Yeah, sure. So, you know, real early on, we, we had, you know, list work of, of who worked out there. And, and as you try to build that, meaning list work, meaning, you know, who's in the unit, names. Um, we do research on trying to find addresses, contact info, and everything like that. And this is a young group of people. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's some people that are more experienced out there, but there's a lot of really youthful people in there, you know, from 18 to 25, we, we found a lot of those people and we'd go knocking on their doors or maybe their parents' doors. And as they come to the door, um, to talk to us, it's not a conversation oftentimes like, Hey, would you like to, you know, form a union with your coworkers? It's, Hey, what the hell is a union? That's kind of what we got a lot of. There's, um, not a lot of education, not a lot of information. Um, I don't know if it's specific to our area, but, um, you know, there was a lot of people that even know what we were doing or why we would be there. So it was kind of fun to see this thing grow because from a place where you'd show up at somebody's door and they wouldn't even know what a union was or maybe worked at like a, a Kroger, you know, a grocery store where they had a union but didn't really get involved or understand what it meant to going all the way through the entire process, which without jumping ahead of myself, gets them to election and gets them to the opportunity to negotiate a, a brand new contract for themselves and their work conditions. So Nick, you basically had to spell it out for them. I mean, they had no idea in their mind what a union is all about. Did I hear that correctly? That happens oftentimes. I wouldn't say it was the, um, you know, rule for everybody, but it certainly wasn't the exception either. It was, it was very common for a lot of these people to do that. And now you did have some people, obviously, I think anywhere, you know, you have people that were already, you know, acclimated to unions and understood what they meant and everything like that. And those people really became our leaders early on. But we also ended up finding people that, like I said, young people, some of our leaders are, um, they wouldn't have known what a union was before we ever showed up and, and they became our leaders and our spokespeople. So, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's basically the way it went is that, that, 
you're teaching people what it is to form a union. And they went all the way through the entire process where like even me starting at 18 years old at UPS, I, I always say, you know, I was born into that union. I, I didn't, you know, have to create it. Right. These people mm -hmm. created their own union, created their own contract. And it's really been fun to see and really fun to see them take ownership of it. Yeah. Yeah. From start to finish. That's great. Let's uh, work our way through that uh, organizing campaign. I understand mm -hmm. there were uh, some ULPs, unfair labor practice charges that had to be filed. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, from, from common things like surveillance, um, you know, misinformation, um, safety violations, um, changes to status quo, all the things you talk about when you start an organizing campaign that basically when you start a campaign, everything that's set in motion from the beginning of the campaign to the end, the company can't change their work conditions. So, you know, we had one of our um, workers that was really one of the biggest activists and he would, you know, get out in the parking lot and talk to people. They, they denied us access the entire time. When I say I, the, I mean the, the Teamsters Union and the, um, the organizers that were, were trying to talk to these people. So, you know, I would get chased out of there by police if we try to get on there. We, 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 you know, we had, we got trespassing charges despite the fact that we weren't doing anything, you know, heinous or, or, or wrong. They just had the opinion that we shouldn't have been there. So, like I said, one of our biggest activists, um, was out in the parking lot and talking to his coworkers and security kind of bugged him. And then they followed him all the way home another about five or six miles to his house. So there was a lot of stuff that happened like that. That was really unsettling. Um, just in the name of keeping, you know, them from forming a union and, and fighting for the rights. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a pretty thick skin if you want to be an organizer <laughs> because they're going to throw everything at you. There's no question. No question about that. Yeah. And I think, I think our, our union, we, we uniquely uh, like to take on that challenge. Well, I'll say one thing. The Teamsters definitely prepared you for this kind of a battle. I mean, they've, they've got a long history of dealing with situations like this. Okay. So where are we today? We, we have a contract. Can you spell out what's in that contract and the benefits yep. that everybody's getting in local 100? So yeah, we, we got a contract. Um, it took, it took a 12 day strike to get everything we asked for. So we had, um, in April of 23, we had, um, voted and they voted about, you know, five to three and then the numbers to, to form their union. Um, we got our proposals together from the unit. We created a, a contract committee, um, of nine people that were elected by their coworkers. Um, we started a training on, you know, how to do contract negotiations with that. And, um, we started in earnest, um, negotiating it in July. And the reason I say in earnest is we opened up basically all our dates in the calendar to, to have this negotiation and DHL decided that, you know, we'd only have three dates in July. They were too busy to meet with us. Three dates in July, three dates in August, three in September, I believe. And then we had a little bit of a rally, you know, trying to get the workers to, you know, talk about the fact that, um, Hey, we, you know, we want a contract. We, we did something which is obviously form this union, but we want to be taken serious. And that there was a little bit of a, I'd say a ramping up of negotiation dates, but there was still a lot of delays by the company. Um, a lot of language that we knew the unit would never want to go for, didn't believe in. And, that the kind of language that would strip them sort of of the jobs they had already. Um, it, it was, it was really unfavorable for the group. So, um, even though 
we were moving forwards in negotiations and having more. We still weren't seeing a lot of progress. As we got into economics, the, the company was not really keen on giving them anything more than basically status quo, what they'd always been getting. So on um, December 7th, the uh, contract, we had, well, we had a strike authorization vote um, the week before, uh, first right around Thanksgiving, and the contract committee decided to go ahead and authorize a strike. And um, we actually extended picket lines because the DHL national contract enjoys a special freedom that they are allowed to recognize pickets that are outside of their workplaces. And there was already 6,000 Teamsters around the country that work for DHL. So we went to cities, the big cities we went to, Miami, Chicago, and L.A., and, and as many cities as Portland, Oregon, um, all the way up, we were in Baltimore, we were in New York, we were in Connecticut. So um, there were workers supporting our striking workers that here at DHL and CBG, CBG being our airport code in Cincinnati, that um, helped really push this. So they, they, we forced the company back to the table on December 19th, and they came with a much stronger um, economic package and, and, and total package altogether. There you go. Good job, my man, Nick Prather, business agent, Teamsters Local 100. Um, another question here. What do we have our sights on now? You know, there's always something going on. What are we looking at so, for this year? So, like I said, well, a couple things. First of all, we have um, we have organized those people that load and unload the airplanes, that drive the machinery around on the ramp, but there's still almost 2,000 other DHL workers inside the facility that have not yet formed their union. So we're working around the clock to help them form their union so they can get the same rights and the same kind of benefits, the better pay, better um, benefits, which they got a great benefits package. Now they actually get free health care, um, increase in wages, um, really great safety language. So we're trying to get that to them. And then right across the street is, of course, a huge Amazon hub, and we definitely have our sights on that, and they've been – you know, organizing and we'd like the system and that if, if possible. Well, well, Nick, that's a whole show in itself on Amazon. So, uh, you'll definitely stay in touch with us on that. Nick Prather. One more thing before we leave, I feel your pain. I see in your bio that you are a father of four girls <laughs> and, uh, yes. I come from the same cloth. <laughs> okay. Oh, minor, okay. Yeah. minor, all grown and, and making grandbabies right now. But anyway, I just figured wow. it's a good thing for you to have the teamsters because I know you're going to need a whole lot of dough down the road. There's a lot of weddings. No, I'm sure that yeah, you're going to have to plan for it. Okay, brother? You take care, stay safe and stay in touch. All right. All right. Thank you. And that'll be it for another edition of America's workforce coming up tomorrow. The Florida education association until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.